Welcome to the Top 5, where each week I discuss my top 5 takeaways from the NASCAR race. This week, Phoenix Raceway. Hello and welcome to the Top 5. I'm your host, Connor, and each week I take about 15 to 20 minutes to discuss the news and notes in NASCAR and break down the race that we had just watched. This week was Phoenix Raceway, and before I get into that, I would like to ask you please to go to Facebook and search for the group The Top 5, the word 5, not the number, The Top 5, and share with me your thoughts. You can comment on any of my posts, Uh, let me know if you disagree with anything I have to say, agree, let's have a fun conversation, and I'll be happy to share some of your thoughts on the show, which will be coming up later. But first, let's get into this week's top five. Number one. So, starting out before the race, uh, the big news was Hendrick cars were confiscated. Uh, All four of them were confiscated after the first practice. And now we know that they were confiscated for the Hood Louvers which are the route in which the air comes in through the front of the car and then it's transferred through a channel out the roof uh, through these louvers, which helps provide downforce. Um, this new car, this, this second year in the, in the new generation car that we're working on, it's all plug-and-play parts. It's all the exact same parts they ordered from the same manufacturer. You literally bolt a car together and they cannot be changed. They cannot be modified. They they have to be identical to how they were received. Uh, So I guess this sort of begs the question, was Hendrick cheating? And the answer is yes, of course they were cheating. And so is Penske and Stuart Haas and Wood Brothers and RCR and Every other team is cheating the best that they absolutely can. The difference here is that Hendrick got caught. Listen, at this level of motorsports, with the amount of money that is involved in each one of these races and how much of a difference it makes for these teams, they take every advantage they can. They work every angle they can, both within and and outside of the rules, And if you think that your favorite driver isn't, their team isn't doing this exact same thing, I got some sad news for you, friend. The difference is Hendrick got caught. That's it. I don't blame him. I'm not mad at him. I mean, I like Hendrick. I think Rick Hendrick is an awesome guy. I rooted for Junior for all 10 years he was with Hendrick. I'm not a a fan of any of their drivers at the moment. I don't dislike him either. But, uh... You know, I, I know Penske's doing it, and I'm a Penske fan. I know Stuart Haas is doing it, and I can't stand Stuart Haas racing. So really, take your personal opinion or my personal opinion out of it. The fact remains that this is what these teams do. So the results were major fines. 100 points per team, except for Chase Elliott and Josh Berry, because they're on a waiver at the moment. The nine team is on a waiver. 10 playoff points per team which is, that is a, a big, big playoff point fine. That can make a huge difference, especially for big teams like Hendrick. 
uh, getting in the chase, they can get out of the first round on playoff points alone uh, after having a, a pretty successful season. And taking 10 away can really damage a team. Uh, and then a huge fine of $100,000 per team, so 400000 total. I doubt that will be a problem. I mean, $400,000 would be life-changing money to me, but to Hendrick, that's a drop in the bucket. So, again, I don't blame them for doing it. I don't blame them for trying. And I don't blame NASCAR for handling it the way that they have. They've made it very clear in every instance that if you modify the parts to these cars, you will be fined and you will be fined big. So let's get into the actual race itself. Number two. So this big story going into the race was this was the first time they're running the new downforce package, which really is misleading by the way that sounds because it's a huge lack of downforce. The the package they're running on short tracks this year makes the cars a lot looser, but in reality what it does is it puts more of the onus on the driver to uh, handle their car, and it gives the teams the ability to make adjustments. I like that. I, I've been very consistent in that any rule change that NASCAR makes that puts more on the actual driver, I'm a fan of. I like the idea of letting the drivers control the outcome for them. And I think it will, in time, lead to uh, better racing, and it will lead to the better drivers being more competitive. Now, as for how that was effective at Phoenix, I don't think that Phoenix is a fair assessment of this package. Technically, Phoenix is a short track, but it is a one-mile short track, which is double a normal short track. It's just not large enough to be a speedway, per se. I think in a few weeks when uh, the Martinsville race happens, we'll get a real better understanding of how this package is really going to affect drivers. That said, I do think it was nice that they got drivers got to test out this new theory uh, at a bigger short track, so they kind of get a feel for the car. Uh, that said, I'll be honest, the race itself was pretty boring, at least through stages one and two. Danica was in the booth again, and I thought she did much better than last time. Uh, and there was some, you know, Joey Logano and Martin Truex got into each other early. That was Joey's fault. He slid up into him. Uh, and if you listen to this podcast, you know I'm a Joey Logano fan but I will own my, my driver when he makes mistakes. Uh, there were a few other minor things. Nothing really exciting. The first uh, caution wasn't, for non-stage points, wasn't until stage three. Uh, William Byron dominated the early portion of the race. He won stage one. Larson won stage two, which is kind of funny that Hendrick cars were, were dominating. Eric Amarola had a tire explode on him in stage three, bringing out a caution. Uh, and then Kevin Harvick had a great long run car and ran down Kyle Larson in stage three and took the lead. And that was really the first exciting thing that happened in the race. And 
he also drove away. And it looked like it was another Phoenix victory for Harvick, which would have been cool. It was nice to see him in the mix. And it was nice on his, you know, this being his farewell season uh, on a track that he's dominated. It was nice to see him do it one last time. But 11 laps to go. I don't even remember who at this point. I know I wrote it down, but I can't find my notes. Hit the wall, bringing out a caution. And all the talk on social media, even the broadcast booth, kind of questioned the legitimacy of that caution. And listen, look, listen. It was a legit caution, okay? Other than the need to rush to your keyboard to bring up some BS drama, it was a legit caution. And it happened coming out of turn four. So, of course, the flagman was right there and saw it. And they smashed the uh, the caution. So, late race, uh, pit stops, the money stop. I thought everyone would take four tires. I thought maybe somebody in the back would gamble. But a lot of people only took two tires. Most of the Hendrick cars. Um, Ryan Blaney only took two tires. And Harvick took four. And by the time that the pit crew realized it, it was too late. He started, I don't know, third or fourth row. He was he was done. Put him out of contention. William Byron dominated that restart. Uh, it was very, the end of this race was exciting. It was just a real snooze fest up to that point. Three wide racing on the restart, fanning out across the dogleg. Everything you'd expect to see at Phoenix. Uh, but Byron just had the car. He he, It was his day, just like last week. And good on him. He got the win. He deserved it. Uh, I, I think that giant hat that he's been wearing in Victory Lane is hysterical. If you haven't seen it, Google William Byron Victory Lane hat. I, I've been seeing those hats around, and, and they are pretty. They're pretty good. I like them. Uh, and... The other big thing coming out of the ending of the race was coming to, uh, or going into, I think, uh, one and two, uh, Denny Hamlin knew he was going to lose it and collected Ross Chastain. And that is the point of my next number. Number three. So on the last lap, Denny Hamlin knew he was losing his car. Decided to take Ross Chastain with him. Initially, it looked like it was just one of those deals. Didn't mean to happen. It happened. Saw the replay. You could tell it was on purpose. You have to always assume when Hamlin and Chastain are near each other, there's going to be some sort of incident. Hamlin does not like Chastain, and fairly so. Chastain has been a real pain in his butt for a long time in Hamlin's butt. But the I don't have an issue with Hamlin doing that by the way. It, it it's fine. Get your payback. You you deserve it. You've earned it. You've earned it probably two, three times over. Where I have an issue is how Hamlin handled it. He went on Hamlin has a podcast apparently. Uh and he went on his podcast and basically handled the situation like a whiny little bitch. Now, there's really only two ways to handle that. 
you you man up and you own it or you play it off like you didn't mean to. Kyle Bush is really good at doing that. Uh he'll he'll wreck someone and then go, "Oh, I don't know, it's crazy." And and that's fine. That's I mean, if you've listened to this podcast, you know I hate Kyle Bush, but that's the way that you handle it. You either play it off or you man up. You can't go on your podcast and cry about he doesn't like when I say his name and just shut up. Jesus Christ, Hamlin. Be a man or pretend it didn't happen. And again, I don't have an issue with Hamlin wrecking Chastain. To be clear, I wouldn't have a problem if he did it again on purpose. But then man it up, man up, or just play it off. And by comparison, the way that Chastain handled it, he went, I guess I had that coming, and then went on with his day. That That's manning up. That's what manning up is. I've also seen Ross Chastain get in, you know, guys get in his face wanting to fight him, and then the uh, media will ask him about it right after, and he'll say, just discussion, discussing fishing spots. That's the way you handle it. You don't go on your podcast and cry and bitch and moan. I, I don't know. Maybe I'm wrong here. What do you guys think? Jump on the top five uh, Facebook page and, and tell me I'm wrong if you think I'm wrong. I'd be happy to hear from you, and I won't argue with you. I'd love to see your points, and I'll even read them on the show. And speaking of reading comments on the show, I think this will be a new segment for us. Uh, let's get on to number four. Number four. So every week I ask you to share your thoughts, and and I wish you would, and I wish you continue to do so. Uh, that said, I think I should share some of your thoughts. Uh, so these are from the Facebook page, uh, The Top Five. This is in response, so I don't know if anyone had been following Mike Joy called someone out for... Somebody gave him flack about the way that they handled commercial breaks. And so he made a quip on on the broadcast. And somebody said, Mike Joy insults NASCAR viewers is another reason fans are frustrated with Fox's coverage. And Chase responded with, anyone who considers that an insult is super soft. Mike Joy is a national treasure. And then Mark replied, Mike Joy is the voice of NASCAR. Wish we had them all year. The NBC commentators just get my nerves, especially Dale Jr. Dave let us know people will need to listen, lighten up. How could anyone get hurt by Mike Joy? The guy is a legend. And I happen to agree. A lot of people had Mike Joy's back on that one. And then in regards to the Hamlin move, um... There's a quote from Hamlin that says, It wasn't a mistake. Denny Hamlin talks overtime scuffle with Ross Chastain. To which Kathleen said, I think his head injury affects what he does and says, but it's not an excuse. Buzz responded, He needs to be fined. And he was, by the way. I, I did forget to leave that out of my last point. And then Lou said, He needs to grow up. Big baby. So it does seem like people are agreeing with me on the Hamlin thing. Uh, but what do you think? Jump on the Facebook page, tell me your thoughts, and next week I could be reading your comments. So let's 
As always, look forward in number five to next week's race. Number five. So next week is Atlanta Motor Speedway. We have seen two races there since they did their repave and reconfigure, which has made it a mile and a half super speedway, per se. Pack racing, uh, all out. I thought the two races that we've seen have been great. I can't wait for this next race. Uh, What Atlanta did to their track is unique and fun. It's not unique in that speedway racing. We have two speedways, you know, super speedways, but it's unique for a mile and a half track. Uh, So I'm really looking forward to it. Atlanta has jumped to the very top of my must-see in-person tracks. I wish I could drive down there this weekend, but there's no way for Michigan that I'm going to be able to get down to Atlanta and back. Uh, so my my prediction is Ryan Blaney's going to win. I feel like he's so overdue. He's right up in the front, near the front, in so many races and just hasn't been able to get over the hump. Plus, he's really good on super speedways. Uh, so that's my prediction. Who do you think is going to win? I'd love to hear from you. If you go to Facebook and search the top five, the word five, not the number, and maybe at me with your prediction, first one that or anyone that guesses correct uh i will dm you and send you a prize so i look forward to sharing my top five with you after the atlanta race really appreciate you taking the time to listen i hope you share this with other nascar fans this has been the top five and i'm Connor.